Welcome to the Love Marriage Again podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Siobhan Parat. In this podcast, you will receive the wisdom, the insight, and the tools you need to have a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Your marriage is meant to be amazing. Your marriage should be your favorite place to be. Your marriage should bring out the best in you. I'm here to help you create that. In each episode, I'll coach you to improve your communication, build a deeper connection, become a more united team, and experience more intimacy. Here, we have real conversations about what can make marriage hard, and more importantly, how to make it easy. I'm so glad you're here. Now let's get to the work of loving your marriage again. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan. Welcome back to another podcast episode. I am so delighted that you have joined me for today's conversation. We are going to be talking about rumination. Oh my goodness. So my brain for the past week has been really trying to drive down the rumination road. And I know so many of you listeners and several of my clients have this happen as well. And so I wanted to talk about it today on the podcast. I wanted to share not only some very specific experiences that I've had and what that's looked like, but I also want to sort of offer a way of understanding and seeing what's happening inside your brain, and then to offer you some very tangible tips and things to do. So if you struggle with thinking that feels like it's out of your control sometimes, this for sure is going to be an episode that will be incredibly valuable for you. So when it comes to the topic of rumination, here's what we have to know is that it looks different for everyone, right? If you were to try to go Google definition of rumination, you'd find a lot of reputable organizations with content on the topic say that it looks different for everyone. And what I want to offer you are the ways that it has shown up for me recently, as well as what I know it looks like for many of my clients when we talk about it. So one way to recognize if you are experiencing ruminating thoughts is it feels like you're getting the same thought or reminder from your brain over and over and over again. And it can have an, a feeling of intrusiveness right? Where you're like cooking dinner, thinking about like, is the water boiling? Is the chicken done? And then all of a sudden your brain just delivers you a thought, right? It may remind you of something that's not right, that's not well, that's not what you want it to be. It may remind you of something bad about yourself, right? It will just like pop up in your head. And It's just there over and over and over again. It's almost like it just keeps knocking at the door until something happens to change it, okay? So that's one way. It's just these thoughts that pop up that come over and over and over again that are random, that aren't even really related to what may be happening in the moment. 
Another experience that people have when it comes to rumination is you might have one specific interaction, like say you have a conversation with your spouse or they do something or say something, and in that moment you are triggered. And then in your moment of being triggered, what happens is your brain will then flood you with all the similar examples and experiences where the same thing happened. It's almost like a trigger magnet. It's like I'm triggered and I'm upset and I'm frustrated in this moment. And now my brain is like, oh, and remember this other time this happened and this other thing too, and then this other thing too. And it will just like start building a case like you're in a trial of your life to remind you of all the other experiences that reflect and illustrate what you are experiencing now. Right. So that's another way. Another way rumination shows up is when you dwell on your mood, when it's just like, oh, I feel so sad. I feel so upset. I'm so triggered all the time. I'm so unhappy. Nothing is working out for me. Right. Where you're just like so conscious of your mood and replaying that mood over and over and over again. I'm just so unhappy. I'm just so frustrated, right? That is an experience of rumination. And then another way that I know it shows up for a lot of my clients is just generalized negative self-talk. I'm so inadequate, right? I'm so whatever. I'm such a bad mom. I'm such a bad person. I can't believe, you know, I sit here and think about myself in this way, right? Even that's negative self-talk. There's a lot of shame, right? It's just all the things that you're doing wrong, everything that's wrong with you. You're not a good human being. You're not a good wife. You're not a good partner. All of the things, right? So those are just a sprinkling of what rumination might look like. And if those are keyed in for you, this conversation is going to be really, really helpful. And one thing I want to also say, and I'll give an example of this, is that ruminating thoughts feel slightly different than beliefs. And what I mean by that is that when you're having ruminating thoughts, it's almost like this frantic energy around it, where it's just like, it just pops up and then it's there and 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 it's there. Whereas beliefs are things that you've practiced thinking so regularly that there's almost like a grounded energy in them because our beliefs feel so true. So I was thinking about this as I was going through my experience and thinking about what I wanted to share with you all. And I found that I don't actually, at least like in the recent history, (laughs) when I'm thinking about this topic, I don't have a lot of ruminating negative thoughts about my husband. Now, what I do have as a human being are beliefs, right? So it's not like my brain is delivering to me, oh, your husband is so X, Y, and Z. It's not that at all. And I share this with you, one, because we're all here having a human experience. Like we can't control the thoughts that pop into our brain. But we can obviously control the things that we ingrain so deeply that they do become beliefs. So I have work to do. I'm a human being, just as you are using these tools 
and my husband as well, right? Like as human beings and in partnership with each other, we all have thoughts that we adopt and then feed and fuel so that they become beliefs in terms of how we see each other, right? That's why marriage can feel so frustrating sometimes is because we've built up these negative beliefs about our spouse. So you want to like suss out for yourself, like when it comes to what I think about my spouse, is it that I have these ruminating thoughts that just like point me in the direction of this belief about them? Or is it that I really have more of an ingrained belief? And if that's the case, then a ton of other podcast episodes will really be helpful for you. I know I have one specifically on how to think more positively about your spouse. But rumination is more, again, it's like that more frantic energy where it is clouding your judgment of things so that you can't quite see as clearly as you might otherwise. So let me give you my examples. And then we'll talk about what causes it, just um, for context. So two things that happened this past week for me. One was I was at a social event this weekend, and it was a social event that I didn't know other people at. And so I am an extrovert. I am actually quite comfortable in a lot of situations, but it was the type of social event where there were a lot of unwritten rules and I felt by the time I left I felt like it wasn't okay for me to be myself which is so fascinating because I usually don't feel that way in social settings I usually feel like my extroverted personality is an asset for me in social situations but it was one of those environments where Getting it right is important, if that makes sense, without giving you know too much detail. So I was in this situation and it was like introductions and greetings and the way it all went down left me feeling like I was wrong and in some ways unseen. And so you know, it happened in the moment and it was what it was. And I navigated the rest of the evening well with a lot of compassion and having my own back. And then I found that when I got in my car and I was like in the dark alone with my thoughts, driving back home, that all my anxiety that was building up was just Billing out. And so I left my really good friend a voice message and I told her all the things and I was just trying to assess like because she's been in similar environments as well. And I was like, is this how it goes? Like when you were in these types of situations, is this how it went or was what I experienced like odd? <laughs> she was like, yeah, it was definitely odd. <laughs> so great. So now I'm like trying to figure out why was it odd for me and not odd for other people? Like what was wrong with me? What did I do wrong? And literally my brain, it was like a chihuahua. It would not let go of it that night. I had trouble sleeping. I woke up the next day obsessing over it, 
thinking like, well, what did I do wrong? How could I have done something differently? Should I have even gone to this event? Should I have not have gone to the event? Like it was something that my husband and I were planning on attending together. He couldn't attend at the last minute. And so I was like, maybe I shouldn't have gone as a woman without her partner, right? Like all these things of just like how I had been in the wrong and how if maybe I had done something different, if maybe I hadn't done X, Y, and Z, it wouldn't have triggered all these other things that seemed to be going wrong at the event, right? Now, no one else would have known any of this. This is all in my head and in my experience with my rumination. But I tell you this because the thoughts were so intrusive. I was literally just like going about my day trying to hang out with my kids and my brain was fixated on this evening and all the things that I thought went wrong and that didn't sit well with me and that felt off, right? So that's one example. Another example earlier in the week was a conversation I had with my husband that didn't go well. And we got into, I guess, what for us was probably an argument. Like we don't typically argue, like our disagreements look different, but we got into like being really snippy and sarcastic with each other. And I felt in that moment of the conversation, like my whole internal state changed. Like I could feel my body being triggered and activated. And usually I do a better job of calming myself down and I didn't. And so we left the, and then by the time we were like in it, I had to go because I had to go give a talk believe this or not. I had to go give a talk online. And I remember showing up for that call, being in my own head of like, how am I going to teach anybody anything? I just had this argument with my husband, right? So I give the talk as quickly as I can. I go back to him. I tell him I apologize for the way that I showed up. I'm like, you know what? I really just need to get some sleep. Let me go do that. And that'll be it for tonight. But The next day, my brain wanted to remind me again and again and again, you guys just got into a fight. You had an argument. Like, that's such a big deal. You've been in such a good space with each other, and now you've had an argument. You had an argument. Dr. Siobhan had an argument with her husband, and she's about to prepare to go give a talk on how to not fight right? That was all the negative self-talk in my head, right? So those are my examples. I'm sure you can come up with your own. And I think it's really important for us to understand why this happens, right? So what causes rumination? Sometimes rumination is just caused from a history of trauma, There are so many things going on inside your body, in your brain, in your emotions that it gets off kilter and then it just spirals out these negative thoughts that create and reinforce a negative emotion because it's sort of like the thermostat of your internal world is set towards negativity because you've had a lot of trauma. So it's just like, oh, this is a traumatic body here. Let's keep reproducing an experience that creates a negative emotional, mental, and physical state. So the rumination begins and keeps going. Rumination is also a coping mechanism. 
where your brain is like trying to make sense of something or it's trying to solve a problem. That's what for sure was happening for me at the event, right? Like the rumination from the event. I was like, why was it like this? Why did it happen that way? Why did this play itself out that way? Hmm, what could I have done differently, right? So it's from that. That's me trying to cope with and solve and understand what was going on. Another reason that rumination happens is there is an interaction between rumination and depression and anxiety. And as I was doing my research on this, I honestly sometimes, when it comes to emotional states and your thought patterns, it's almost impossible to determine the cart before the horse. And so I like to think of it as just an interaction, right? Maybe your thoughts spiral out of control and it leads to rumination, which puts you in a depressed mood or puts you in a state of anxiety. And then your body physiologically responding to that emotional state and the hormones that are firing off then keeps pumping out thoughts that reproduce that state. Right. So if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, just know that ruminating thoughts are part of that package. Sometimes nothing to be judging yourself about or nothing to resist. It's just like, oh, this is just coming along for the ride. Right. I recognize this and I acknowledge that this is happening. Right. And then the the fourth thing that I notice in terms of what causes rumination is sometimes we are just replaying scripts that we learned as children, whether that's messages that were spoken to us, about us, over us, things that our parents said to us, or things that we observed in how our parents and other influential people lived their life. So it's just stuff that we caught. We caught, I don't want to use like religious terms, but it's almost like we caught the spirit of rumination, right? Now, even in saying that, it is not God's will that we spend our lives struggling with our thought life. That is not it at all, right? He tells us to think about things that are holy and pure and lovely and of truth and worthy of praise, right? I'm like paraphrasing that scripture. So we want to be aware of the tendency to ruminate, not judge it, understand it. And whenever I'm dealing with my clients and they're struggling with anything and I know their history and I know their background, my first response is like, of course, of course your brain is doing this. Of course your brain is pumping out these thoughts and beliefs like look at the context that we're dealing with there's no shame in that it's not even your fault like but now that we understand it we can just know that this is going to be part of the the environment for you and now we get to intentionally shift it and intentionally override it with our conscious effort so I want to give you five things to do to help you stop ruminating, okay? One is just notice your thoughts. Just notice them. Don't even do anything about them. I just remember, like, again, all this weekend when I was having the rumination about the event, I was like, 
look at you. Look at this brain. Just thinking about this over and over and over again. Look at this thought. And it was literally the same set of three thoughts over and over again. So you want to just notice your thoughts, observe them, but don't judge them. It's almost like you're just collecting data. You're just taking notes. Huh. This is the thought my brain keeps offering me. Number two is you want to see what it's there to teach you. Again, part of the reason I was so distraught by my experience this past weekend was I wanted to understand and solve the problem so that the next time I'm in that kind of situation, I can adjust my behavior to not create this interaction that happened, right? So I knew that my brain ruminating on it was just trying to solve the problem. It was like, no, Siobhan, like you're great in social situations. So for sure, you can get this right the next time, right? And so you want to think about what is it there to teach me and what is it that I want, right? I want to confidently walk into social situations, especially in this context, and feel great about myself. It was a wonderful event with a wonderful purpose, right? And you want to look at what is it that you want and where's the gap? Like what's missing here that's causing your brain to like keep delivering thoughts about this experience for you? Number three is you want to understand the underlying trigger. What is the emotional need that you want to be met? For me at this event, it was acceptance and belonging. For the conversation with my husband that didn't go well, I wanted peace and harmony between us, right? So that was the emotional need that I was having that I wanted to be met. And so knowing that, right, then I can go to step four, which is self-soothing. So when you know what the underlying need is, I really want, like in this situation, what I'm really wanting is X, Y, and Z. Then you go to self-soothing. And the way that I love to do that and recommend for everyone is self-soothing through journaling. Tell yourself what you need to hear. Give yourself a pep talk, literally as if you were talking to your very best friend. Okay? So, hey, you have an amazing personality. This is what I would have said to myself. I think I did actually write this. You are so warm and welcoming. You are so friendly and inviting in your energy. You love to talk to people. You love to help people feel comfortable, right? And those are amazing and wonderful and beautiful things. That's exactly why God made you like that, because you're great at it, right? So just giving yourself a pep talk, right? Even if you've had an argument with your spouse, right? So my pep talk there might be, listen, there are going to be times when your conversations aren't going to go perfectly. There are going to be times when you fall short of your own standards for how you want to show up. But you also have evaluated this situation. You also know what went wrong. You also know where you dipped over, right, into continuing the conversation when maybe you should have asked for a pause. And guess what? Next time you can do that. You've done that plenty of times before. So for sure, you're going to do it next time and all will be well. Okay. 
So self-soothe through journaling. And then number five is play out all the positive scenarios for how things could correct themselves or get even better. So you just want to like a lot of times when we're ruminating, we're ruminating and catastrophizing what's going to happen. But when you look at a situation, you have a trigger moment and you intentionally decide, okay, at this event, right? I'm just using myself as an example. At this event, a couple of interactions didn't go great. But that doesn't mean that these people are now talking about me behind my back. It doesn't mean that I'm like ostracized and will be excluded from the next event, right? It could be that they're not thinking about me at all. It could be that maybe me showing up the way I showed up helped them see how they could show up the way they want to show up, right? There's so many different outcomes other than you did something wrong. It's like, what if I didn't do something wrong? What if how that played itself out was exactly right and there's something amazing that's going to come from it, right? So you want to play out the positive scenarios for how things could correct themselves or get even better, right? So I also want to offer you that if those things don't work for you, right? If noticing the thoughts and not judging them seeing what they're there to teach you, understanding your underlying trigger, self-soothing, and playing out the positive scenarios. If you do all that and you're still ruminating, it's also okay. You're human. So if those things don't work, what I suggest is finding ways to give your brain an intentional break, distraction, and reset. That might mean going for a walk or run, moving your body. Sometimes, again, your emotions are feeding those ruminating thoughts. So you need to like move your body and get yourself physiologically in a different state. So exercising, running, walking, dancing, moving your body. You might also watch TV, like a show that you love. You might call a friend that you know you really enjoy talking to that you don't talk to about the thing that you're ruminating on, right? You might pray. Sometimes ruminating can just be redirected into a prayer to God, right? I know a lot of times I'm like, listen, God, my brain is doing a lot of things. Can you please help me put it on a different path, right? You might read. You might play with your kids. You might scroll on social media, Right. So these intentional distractions are not designed to be all consuming and become something that you overdo. Right. We're not about overconsumption. I would say usually 10 or 15 minutes is a good intentional distraction point. Right. So don't overdo it. It's just for the sake of giving your brain a break so you can come back and maybe try those five steps again. Right. Because we don't want to distract to the point that we are ignoring things and stuffing things and not addressing things because they'll just be back, right? And then another thing that you might want to also try is just processing the physical, physical sensation of the emotion. And this just looks like it's a somatic practice of just getting in your body and naming what's going on in your body oh, my head is throbbing, right? Almost like 
if you were giving a recipe for what's happening for you physiologically. My head is throbbing right now. I feel it on the left temple, right, like, you know, right where if I clench my jaw, like right there, that little nod right there, right? Or I feel it in my heart. My heart feels heavy and it feels like it's in sludge and it just feels like there's this gray black gunk all over my heart or my belly. My belly feels queasy. It feels like I have like these like just like queasy, sad butterflies in my belly and it's all over my belly. It's not just at the top or the bottom. It's like all over the whole thing. So notice how dictating your physiological state, your physical sensations takes you out of your head and it puts you in your body to address what may be creating some of the rumination, right? So I trust that this has been helpful for you. Again, I just want to normalize that for some of us, we have brains that tend to ruminate. It doesn't mean something is wrong with you. It doesn't mean that this is going to be something that always impacts your life in a negative way. I think you want to make peace with it. I think you want to accept that sometimes it's just what's coming along for the ride. I promise you, the more that you're able to accept and not judge yourself in a period of rumination, the more quickly it will pass. And I'm really grateful to tell you that 72 hours later, honestly, probably I would say 40 40 hours later, at least with what happened this weekend, I was in a totally better place, totally better place. Sometimes just getting a good night's rest, eating, moving your body, drinking your water can really reset your system. So thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. Let me also let you know that I am doing consultations. Consultations are for anyone who is interested in hiring me and working with me directly to support them in their marriage or their life. Um, I am doing consultations for private coaching. So if you want to work with me privately, one-on-one or privately as a couple, you can schedule a consultation. It's an hour-long conversation where you'll tell me all of the things that are going on, all of the things that you want to be different, what your goals are. I will map out my exact process and exactly how I would help you. And then we'll decide if it feels like it's a good fit. And if it's a good fit for us to work together, we'll discuss all the logistics of signing on to become an official client of my practice. And we will go from there. I am also doing consultations about the marriage upgrade. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk a lot about my program, The Marriage Upgrade, and I recognize that there's only so much that I can put on a web page or talk with you about in a podcast. And so if you are interested in that program 
And if you have questions and if there are things that I can clarify for you and you would love to just hop on a call with me and talk about the marriage upgrade, I would be more than delighted to speak with you. The next retreat for the marriage upgrade is September 22nd and 23rd. So if you are wanting to slip yourself into the fall 2023 cohort, you can still do that. And I would be delighted to speak with you about that program as well. You can book your complimentary consultation on my website, drshavon.com. You will see one of the three options there and you'll select what type of call you want, whether that's for private coaching as an individual, private coaching as a couple or the marriage upgrade. And then I will see you on the other side. All right, that's it for today. I will be back with you next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in. And now a question for you. What did you get out of this episode? The most important part of this work is applying what you hear. I hope you'll do that. And if you loved this podcast, you will love working with me directly even more. I invite you to my website, drshavon.com to learn about my coaching programs and any live masterclasses I may be hosting. And of course, We will meet right back here for the next episode of the podcast. Until then, keep loving your marriage again.